What is going on, New York Giant fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Like, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when the live stream pops or drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. Boys and Big Apple returns tonight at 8.10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So check that out. We're going to be talking a lot of sports, NFL, NBA, head coaching openings, position openings across the NFL, which seemed the most enticing, NBA, talking about the Knicks and a lot of other things as well. So hope you join us. Going to make a couple of new updates, obviously, as well to the show, make it more interesting. And I'm thinking of getting a bunch of guests on for the next couple of weeks to make it more enticing to the audience. With that being said, usual Twin Bill podcast. It's on the NYY News TV channel at 7 p.m. every Wednesday. And this podcast looks like it's going to be a Tuesday-Saturday thing like it was before. I had that two, three-week span where I couldn't do it on Saturday. I actually had to do it Sunday morning because of a couple of different things. But it should be that way. After the head coach is hired for the Giants, I'm just going to forewarn you guys, this podcast might be put on hold for a little bit. I might go back to what I was doing last year during really the dead period, which was YouTube videos. Short, sweet, to the point. But we'll see when we get there. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. So today's topics are the impending free agents for the New York Giants. Should we keep some of those guys? Should we cut some of those guys and let them walk? And also, I'm going to go over needs, cap casualties, kind of previewed that in an earlier episode, eating the cap, talking about players that the Giants really have to move or may move this offseason. But with that being said, their contract is really stranglehold on the organization. We're also going to talk about some awards. Now, I'm not copying Talking Giants. Obviously, they have their thing. I have my thing. And a lot of people also do awards as well. So we're going to do awards, and that will pretty much be the end of the show. We'll see how long this goes, but once again, appreciate you guys for coming back. So it's going to be a tough spot with the New York Giants this offseason because they barely have any cap space. There's a lot of outlets there are, you know, they're saying different things. I heard one outlet saying that the Giants are going to start out with 13k in cap, and trust me, a lot of people make more money than 13k, especially in a year or over a couple of months. So that's extremely sad. But the Giants also have to kick in their cap casualties because no matter if you're in a great cap situation or you're in a situation where you really need cap space, a lot of teams every year cut players with big contracts but they get big savings out of it because that's the way the NFL works and lots of other sports leagues as well so let's go to impending free agents there are a lot of regular free agents then there's restricted free agents and exclusive rights free agents i probably won't go you know in too many specifics regarding these players if i have to i have the football reference page up and we'll talk about it so one of the first impending free agents is Lorenzo Carter. Keep or let him walk? I honestly would keep Lorenzo Carter. And I'm not saying all of his big contract, but I would keep him on a one-year, $2 million approved deal. Now, obviously, there's a lot of things that would go into play. Because if you have a team, I'm just saying, I'm not predicting, I'm not trying to put bias into this or whatever, but if you have a team like the 49ers and they come in, maybe Mike McDaniel's the head coach, maybe Demeco Ryans is the head coach, or you have a team like the Bills where maybe Brian Dable or Leslie Frazier is the head coach, they run 4-3 systems. So would we really trust Lorenzo Carter as a hand-in-the-dirt defensive end? Personally, I wouldn't, but if the Giants still keep it at a 3-4 scheme, and obviously they'll make these decisions after the head coach is hired and after the coaching staff is assembled, but with that being said, I would keep Lorenzo Carter just on a prove-it deal because the last couple of games he played, he played good. He had five sacks this entire season. Pretty sure he was down that stretch. There was the Cowboys game, there was the Eagles game. I think there was a Bears game as well where he also had a sack. 
he had a really big streak. I'm going to pull up his game log right now. If I could get to it, yeah. So he had two sacks against Dallas, one sack against Philly, one sack against Chicago, one sack against Washington. So he had a four-game sack streak. And that was pretty much it for him there. And he really didn't produce the first how many games this season, the first 12 games this season. He really didn't produce, plus the fact that he was actually injured for some of the time. But once again, that's not stopping you from drafting Aiden Hutchinson or Drake Jackson from USC. That's not stopping that from happening. It's just, okay, Lorenzo Carter, he come in, compete with Ellerson Smith and Quincy Roche. Whoever is the better rusher stays on the roster. If not, you know, if he's just terrible or if he's not productive at all, let him go. So that's my thing on Lorenzo Carter. So the next guy, let me take a sip real quick because I have been talking a lot, is Keon Crossan. I was on the fence when originally making this decision, but I'm going to say let him walk. Obviously, the Giants gave up a six-round pick for him because he was from the Texans, Casario, the GM there, and he had New England ties with Joe Judge. And with that being said, Joe Judge, in his time with the Giants, and just overall his philosophy, he's a very big special teams guy. And Keon Crossan was really good on special teams, or was supposed to be. He did okay this year. I thought he made some good plays. He had one sack on defense of Patrick Mahomes, but Patrick Mahomes at the time was really just trying to run out the clock, so he just slid. But with that being said, he had his fair share of special teams, which uh, penalties, which really wasn't a good thing bringing him over. Obviously, we wanted special teams to improve under Joe Judge, especially in his second year, and it didn't. And Keon Crossan's penalties, amongst other things, was a really bad just combo for this special teams unit alongside the bad punting of Riley Dixon, a bunch of other things. So I would say let him walk. You can get an undrafted free agent or a low-risk, high-reward cornerback or any player, really, that can play special teams, probably for better production than Keon Crossan. Offensive tackle Corey Cunningham, I would let him walk. He did decent, not too good, not too bad, but he did decent in his role with the New York Giants. He played most of that Eagle game when Matt Pear tore his ACL. And at times, he would be the jumbo tackle. But with that being said, the Giants can easily go out in free agency and sign somebody else. I don't understand why would we keep Corey Cunningham around. Wouldn't make sense for the new regime. They probably wouldn't think much of him, and I don't blame them. But with that being said, they could bring in their own guy. They could bring in a swing tackle in free agency, or they could go out in the draft or an undrafted free agency and bring a swing tackle because a lot of swing tackles actually come from undrafted free agency. Nick Gates, Terrence Steele was an undrafted free agent. There's a lot of guys out there. So Nate Ebner is the next guy. Would let him walk. I mean, the fact that we saved a roster spot for this guy really early in the season, which was late in the preseason, it just wasn't meant to be in. He really didn't produce on special teams, didn't make special teams better his first year. And his second year, big nothing burger, and then went on IR. So let him walk, find someone else who could play special teams. Hopefully it gets better under the next special teams coordinator. I want to keep McGahee because I don't think he's a bad coordinator. I think it was all Joe Judge, me personally. But he is interviewing for the Panthers job, which he previously had before the New York Giants job. So there's that. Tight end, Evan Ingram. This was a tough one because we see the potential every year with Evan Ingram. But the problem is he is so damn injury prone. And with this new regime, we're likely going to be going through a rebuild of two to three seasons of just improving the product on the field with coaching, with players, philosophies, whatever the case may be. And I don't think the New York Giants want to spend quality money in free agency for Evan Ingram. This guy is constantly hurt. And I would say the drop issues, but he just faded out of the offense. I think that was actually on purpose. I really would have liked... 
Mike Lennon and Jake Fromm to target him more, but those are very low-quality quarterbacks, so I can't expect much. But uh, go out in the draft, find somebody who's a good blocking tight end. There's that guy out of Ohio State. There's the guy out of Colorado State, I believe. A couple of guys there go out and get a tight end. Not all of them being the good ones are in the first round only. George Kittle, a bunch of other guys have come out in the later rounds and have actually been better than some of the first-round tight ends. So let's be honest there. The next guy, Mike Glennon. I think we all know what I'm going to say. Let him walk. The Giants this offseason need to go out, no matter who's the quarterback, no matter if Daniel Jones is the quarterback or a backup quarterback, a stopgap, a veteran, or a rookie, they need to go out and get a backup quarterback. Mike Glennon was precisely for cutting costs. They thought he was better partially than Colt McCoy, even though the arm strength isn't there right now, and it really hasn't been in the last couple of years for Colt McCoy. He still manages a game better than Mike Glennon. He doesn't really turn over the football. He turned it over once in two starts last year. Well, really two years ago almost, but we're still in the NFL playoff bubble, so it, we would really say last year, but in 2020, he turned it over once, and that was Evan Ingram dropping a pass into the hands of Quandre Diggs, but the Giants need to go out and get a quality, quality backup quarterback, and if the Buffalo people come in, if it's Brian Dable and Joe Shane or Joe Shane and somebody else, Mitchell Trubisky, I believe he's a free agent, so they may go after him. But let Mike Glennon walk. With that being said, the next guy, Austin Johnson. I would keep Austin Johnson. I felt that he didn't do great this year, but I also felt he didn't do bad this year. He was better than Raymond Johnson. He was better than Danny Shelton. And I just think he's a quality backup defensive lineman. Dave Gettleman and the Giants front office re-signed him to, I think it was a $3 million contract, and everybody was raging. Then the Devontae Booker deal, but both were solid role players, and I feel like they played up to their contract. But Austin Johnson, I would keep him. The next guy, long snapper, Casey Kreider, I would keep him. I mean, why would you get rid of him? Just, you know, it's a good long snapper. Maybe competition in the preseason, but with that being said, I would keep Casey Kreider. Linebacker Bernardrick McKinney. I would personally keep McKinney. I feel like Patrick Graham and just the Giants team overall really didn't give him a fair shake at times. And there were times he made bad plays, whatever. But he isn't totally in his prime because he was a linebacker two to three years ago that was in the Pro Bowl. But I feel like he was better than Reggie Ragland. They would still send Tay Crowder out with Reggie Ragland and some of these other guys as well. So I would personally want the Bills guys if they came in or somebody else whoever the next regime is give Bernardrick McKinney a shot it's not going to hurt you it's not going to be much against the cap it's probably going to be a veteran minimum deal and let me skip over to somebody else because I could actually connect the two in a conversation Jalen Smith I would keep him as well because if you have Blake Martinez coming off that ACL next year if you keep him or you cut him whatever the case may be then you have room to draft a linebacker or do whatever you please. But overall, that's a solid linebacking core. That's not great. That's not Pro Bowl linebacking core. That's not terrible linebacking core. But with that being said, that's better than really what the Giants had most of the season. Jalen Smith and Benedict McKinney over, uh, with Blake Martinez coming off an ACL over Tay uh, Crowder, Reggie Ragland, and... Carter Coughlin and Cam Brown, I would take the first group, me personally. Fullback Eli Penny, I would keep him. I don't think that he was bad. It was really weird that the Giants used him just as an outside back at times. I mean, he was a running back in college, but with that being said, not much of anything else. Keep Eli Penny. If you find a better fullback, go after a better fullback, but Keep Eli Penny. He was solid this year. Strong safety, Jabril Peppers. This one's tough for me. This one is really tough for me because you could really make the same deliberation on him that you would Blake Martinez if you wanted to cut or keep Blake Martinez. 
The upside is that he would be somewhat of a placeholder. You could sign him to likely a one-year contract approve-it deal, and he would start taking more snaps as the season went on. And if they elected to keep Logan Ryan, you wouldn't have to give him as much snaps. You could factor in Julian Love and Xavier McKinney a little bit more. Personally, I would re-sign him, actually. I would re-sign him to like a one-year prove-it deal. And then next year, meaning 2023, and I know I'm going far into the future, 2023, if Peppers works out, great. If he doesn't work out, okay, then you know what? One-year prove-it deal, low-risk, high-reward. And then eventually, the Giants do actually have to draft a safety because McKinney is the only future piece. Julian Love, he's a role player. He's a special teamer, but mostly a role player on defense. And then Logan Ryan, you know, he's washed. He is washed. Wide receiver Dante Pettis, I would let him walk. He was supposed to be, as many predicted, the four, the five, the six wide receiver. But he tore his ACL, I want to say, in the middle of the season. Even before that, he was on the practice squad and didn't even make the roster. So with that being said... Let him walk. The new regime will find another batch of wide receivers to come in and help this team on the depth chart. Center Billy Price, let him walk. Obviously, a failed trade. We all know the situation. I'm not going to go over it again for a 90th time. But Billy Price wasn't good at center. He was not good at center amongst the group that he played with. But he was not good at center. The Giants have to make a deliberation as an organization on Nick Gates, they have to do a couple other things. Tyler Linderbaum in the draft. There's a couple other centers that are coming out, but Linderbaum is the main guy to get. With that being said, cross out Billy Price, let him walk. He'll sign a veteran minimum deal with another team to be a backup center. Linebacker Reggie Ragland, it was talking about that before. Let him walk. I don't know why we signed him. He was decent in the preseason, but in the regular season as Blake Martinez got injured and Carter Coughlin got injured and a lot of these other things happened. He got an increased role, and that's really what, you know, he was not supposed to be in an increased role. He's not a starting linebacker. He's a backup linebacker, kind of like a David Mayo for some teams. But with that being said, let him walk. John Ross, I would keep him. Another one-year prove a contract won't hurt. I kind of see him as the Cody Latimer type and I actually liked Cody Latimer in a Giants uniform but John Ross and Latimer they're both vertical receivers John Ross it wouldn't hurt to keep him around if he makes the team he makes a team if not you cut him and you would know beforehand if you sign him to a team friendly contract or whatever but most likely it would be a prove it deal so keep him if he makes the roster he makes the roster if not oh well defensive tackle Danny Shelton let him walk I know I'm stealing things from a Giants content creator, a good friend, Lou from G Nation. He calls Nate Solder and Will Hernandez IHOP, the International House of Pancakes. I honestly would refer Danny Shelton to be the International House of Pancakes because every time in the running game when you see him double team, he just falls over like a pancake. He flaps like a flapjack. So, with that being said, Danny Shelton, bye-bye. That's another need that the Giants probably need to draft. Austin Johnson is not really a long-term starter at defensive tackle. But with that being said, they still need to draft another defensive lineman or go out and get somebody. Low risk, high reward. Someone better than Danny Shelton. Center Matt Skura. I deliberated on this for a few minutes and just bring in somebody else. Matt Skura was decent, not really good this year. He played center one game. He played left guard a lot of games. They obviously scrambled for him, signed him off the practice squad. And with that being said, just go out and get somebody younger. Go out and get somebody younger. Draft how many offensive linemen you want. Develop, whatever. This thing's going to be going for another two years in terms of a rebuild. So there's really no time valuable to go out and just sign Matt Skur and, oh, veteran backup. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. I'm just going to keep it simple. Tight end, Levine Twilolo, let him walk. I mean, he came 
into training camp, and then I think he tore his ACL or he tore his ACL in one of the camps. With that being said, just let him walk. He's almost 30 if he's not 30 already, and the Giants need to find one or two blocking tight ends and receiving tight ends as well in the draft and free agency, wherever it may be, because their only tight end on the roster besides Kyle Rudolph will maybe cut is Caden Smith, and we all know the Giants really didn't like Caden Smith before he came on IR. So this one's interesting to me. Apparently, Nate Solder's a free agent. I personally don't know about that. Over the cap says that he's not a free agent. Meanwhile, another site says that he is a free agent. If he is a free agent, I think the answer is pretty simple. Let him walk. And even if he's not a free agent and he has $4 million in dead cap with no savings, I would just cut him anyway because he's dead weight. He is absolutely dead weight, wasn't good at right tackle this year, and he just looked lethargic, looked like his technique had gone bad. So with that being said, let him walk. So restricted free agents. Safety, Josh Kalu. He did decent in the game he actually played in. Then he tore his ACL and he was out for the season. I would honestly let him walk, go get somebody else. You know, it's a shame, but it's a business as well. Wide receiver CJ Board, I think he tore his ACL or had a season-ending injury of some sorts. I think that was in mid-season, I would say middle of the first couple of weeks. I think it was on a kickoff or something like that. I think it actually may have been either in the Cowboys game the Saints game or the Rams game. Because I remember there was a game where the game was totally over. I think it was the Rams game where they had Donnie Holmes returning kicks. With that being said, let CJ Board walk. Let him go to another team. Fullback, call him Glaspia, walk. We don't need two fullbacks taking up the roster. Let him walk. Strong safety, Stephen Parker. I thought he did solid in his role with the Giants. Not perfect, but... There was obviously that big plague in the secondary where Dory Jackson got hurt. A couple other players got hurt towards the latter half of the season, especially in that Eagle game, the first one that I actually went to. Dory Jackson was out. A couple other guys were out. So Stephen Parker was actually playing a couple of snaps. A couple other guys as well. Jaron Williams, I think, was playing a couple of snaps. Aaron Robinson got a chunk of the snaps. He really played well. But... If you want to sign Steven Parker, I don't have a problem with it, but I would let him walk, my personal opinion. Exclusive rights free agents. Quarterback Jake Fromm, let him walk. Sign somebody else, whatever. I don't think the Giants fans just personally, even if it's for a quarterback three, quarterback four position in the preseason, I don't think they want to see him again. But at the same time, I don't think he would come back again. Then again, Alex Tanney came back, and that surprised some Giants fans. Free safety, J.R. Reed. Personally, I would keep J.R. Reed. I thought he did decent in his role with the Giants. He started playing against the Chiefs and then worked his way forward. Really got a chunk of the snaps when Jabril Peppers tore his ACL or Achilles. I always get that mixed up, but he had the season-ending injury. And with that being said, J.R. Reed stepped in. He wasn't Jabril Peppers, but he made some solid plays and was a good special teamer. So with that being said, I would keep J.R. Reed on this roster just as a back-end safety rotate him in, do whatever. Wide receiver David Sills, I would let him walk. Didn't really impress in the games that he actually got to be one of the starting wide receivers. I know he played against the Bears. He had a reception for 12 yards, and then he dropped a pass earlier in the season against the Carolina Panthers. So let him walk. Bye. I know the Sills Army will be pissed, but get another wide receiver in here to compete. You could resign him realistically to compete in the preseason, but he's going to be a preseason wide receiver. That's about it. So let me take a sip real quickly before I go to the next candidate or two. Kyle Murphy, I would let him walk, and that's a tough thing for me because I really somewhat believed in Kyle Murphy in the preseason. He tore his ACL or had some sort of season-ending injury. Um was supposed to be competing for one of the backup guard roles, was improving during camp, and then has the season-ending injury against the Jets. And can't really say much about that. It's for the new regime to decide, but I would just let him walk and go out and sign somebody else to compete at the back end of the roster. Before we go to needs and all that other crap, Jaron Williams, I would keep Jaron Williams. Personally, 
and I'll talk about this more later when we get to the awards, I feel like the cornerback position for the New York Giants wasn't as bad as years prior, even with the injuries, because we saw Dory Jackson go out for a few games. Aaron Robinson was out with COVID for a few games. Jaron Williams actually did solid. I think he gave up maybe one touchdown, but he was really solid as a corner, and they kept him over since last year. He was a UDFA out of... It wasn't Auburn. It was actually Albany. And he did decent this year. He did the decent this year. I'm looking at his stats on pro football reference. He allowed eight completions on 21 targets for 53 yards, no touchdowns, and a 46.3 passer rating. That's really good. And this is a UDFA that barely gets any snaps. He did really good. Just exceeding expectations for a second-year guy. Once again, didn't get many snaps. But with that being said... Let me see what I got on here first. I have needs after cap casualty candidates. Okay, so we'll talk about it. Capable cap cuts, cap casualty candidates. Let's talk about it. So I have five on my list right now. And I've calculated the totals and a lot of other things as well. So I'll go over number one, and that's Nick Gates. The Giants have to make a deliberation on him as an organization because you'll have a new regime come in. This is going to be his third coaching staff. I think fifth offensive line coach. And he's coming back from a possible career-ending injury. Obviously, the emotional side, we love Gates. He's a fighter. He can kick people's ass when they try to make cheap shots on whoever our quarterback is. He really fights for our quarterback. He's like a Ryan Jensen, except Ryan Jensen, I think, is miles ahead of Nick Gates in terms of being an offensive lineman. So the Giants would save about $2.5 million by cutting him and would incur about 879000 in terms of dead cap. So I personally think that's the Giants' decision to make, but you're going to have to go out in free agency and get a backup center and you know, even if the Giants have money, they can actually go out and get Ryan Jensen. I think he came back in that game against the Eagles, so hopefully he's okay and he's going to play the next game. Who do they play next? The 49ers play the Packers, which leaves the Buccaneers to play. I'm forgetting the team right now. It'll come to me. It'll come to me. But anyway, hopefully Ryan Jensen's okay, and if the Giants have enough cap money, left over from signing a backup quarterback or whatever the hell they do, they could sign Ryan Jensen. But with that being said, if they don't want to sign Ryan Jensen, they could still cut Nick Gates, but they would have to find a center and a backup center and just a versatile lineman. So saving about $2.5 million with that. James Bradbury. I think the Giants can actually get a good package for James Bradbury. Maybe a fourth-round, fifth-round pick. It's not going to be third-round, second-round because James Bradbury did not play to that this year. He had an off-year as an average corner obviously we were bummed out because his first year as New York Giants cornerback really was the number one that we saw we wanted to see he was a pro bowler really physical stuff like that and he disappointed this year he really did and it's up for obviously the next regime to make a deliberation on him you can keep him and let the money roll over to next year where James Bradbury... Actually, no. James Bradbury's contract ends after 2022, but that's also possibly a lie because the Giants restructured his contract because of that whole bullshit at the end of the season. Restructuring Kyle Rudolph, restructuring James Bradbury, restructuring this guy, that guy, Blake Martinez. All bullshit. All to mortgage our future just in a season where we go would go 4 and 13 but let's move forward with this thing the giants would save 12,136,111 while incurring 9,727,778 in dead cap so there's that you can cut him you can try to trade him to a team that's really looking for another decent corner. Maybe the Jets are looking for another decent corner. I know they'll probably go in the draft and draft a defensive player because their defense was actually the worst in the league, one of the worst in the league. 
Maybe the Steelers will take him because outside of Joe Hayden, and I don't know if he's a free agent this year, they really don't have any solid cornerbacks. I mean, Cam Sutton did okay this year. So there's a couple of teams out there that you actually get an interesting package for James Bradbury. But if you don't find a package, if you don't find a team, and you just want to get rid of James Bradbury, you could cut him. And with that being said, Aaron Robinson. He showed some stuff at the end of his rookie season. So with that being said, I would be confident in Aaron Robinson in the next regime's place, atmosphere, to be that corner two. Maybe Darnay Holmes, if the new regime deliberates that, okay, well, we can keep him on the roster, is a slot corner. And honestly, I think that's up in the air, but obviously that will be another episode. I know I'm saying deliberating all that stuff a lot, but we don't know who that coach is. We don't know who the GM is yet. Tight end Kyle Rudolph. I talked about this a couple minutes ago when I was talking about Evan Ingram. No trade value whatsoever because he is a washed tight end. He caught one or two touchdown passes this season. He did have a career-long reception, I believe, of 60 yards against the Chargers. That got us down there. We scored a touchdown, but we all know what happened in the rest of the game. You would save $5 million by cutting him. You would incur about $2.4 million in dead cap. I think it's an easy move cut Kyle Rudolph. I think that's going to be one of the first moves they make besides doing whatever. Cutting this guy, cutting that guy. I think Kyle Rudolph's going to be actually one of the first to go. Blake Martinez. This is a really, I would say, complicating deliberation. You save about $8.5 million by cutting him. At the same time, you would incur 5.5 in dead cap and you would leave a really big hole at the linebacker position. Now, he probably has less ambition, in my opinion. Now, I'm not judging him on character as a player. He probably has less ambition to come back to the New York Giants with Patrick Graham most likely being gone because we all know those two were like this. But it's a lose-lose situation. He tore his ACL he would be recovering from that, and I understand there's a lot of players these days that are actually recovering from season-ending injuries earlier and getting into the playoffs and all that other stuff, Cam Akers being an example. But with that being said, huge hole at the linebacker position if you cut him plus $5 million that really don't count for anything. Actually, not filling up $5 million. I was looking at Kyle Rudolph's thing. It would count as $8.5 million in savings for a year where you probably aren't spending a lot in free agency and then compare that to if you have him where he's going to be rejuvenating the first couple of games and his contract expires next year if I'm correct remember all the restructuring bullshit happens so there's that and you would also have to draft a linebacker either way maybe keep Jalen Smith maybe keep Benardrick McKinney Punter Riley Dixon. This is an easy one. Like the Kyle Rudolph one. This is an easy one. Cut him. The Giants would save about $2.8 million in savings. And they also would incur $320,000 in dead cap. So I think that's an easy way to go about things. So those are my four cap casualty candidates. And we'll talk about four guys that their contracts are stranglehold on this team. But the team may try to move them because... They're not good football players, or the next regime just totally wants to move on. So total savings out of that group, you would get about $30,961,111. In dead cap, you would get $18,835,835 in dead cap. And then total cap, you would have 31493 493825 So take this probably, I would say, with a grain of salt. Because the next one I'm going to do is a little bit based on Track as well. I did mostly over the cap on this one. But Track as well, and they have different numbers than over the cap. And a lot of other people have different numbers, so there's that. But eat the cap. And that's my next segment which is a part of the cap casualty candidates. And here are four players, I'm mostly going over two, but I'm adding in two just in case, uh, that are just not a part of the Giants' future, 
that are probably tradable in some cases. In some cases, you also can't trade them. Let's go over it. So Logan Ryan is the first player. And a lot of Giant fans were mad at the extension a few months later because it prevented them from signing Dalvin Tomlinson to an extension and also prevented Kevin Zeitler from coming back to the team because of the cap situation. So cutting him saves 775k, while his release incurs $11,450,000 in dead cap. And once again, I'll go over into specifics, post-June 1st, trading, stuff like that. That's the spot track number, so it's not all cut and dry there. There's more to go over. Sterling Shepard. Cutting him would save $4,505,000, while if you cut him, dead cap is $7,990,000. So I think that's one of the more cut and dry circumstances because he's very very injury prone honestly he should consider hanging it up in my opinion but we'll see what happens we'll see what happens with Sterling Shepard and his football career now I added two because there's a possibility that there's a trade market for them there's a possibility that they continue with the Giants for a year or two there's also a possibility that they are just gone like that so running back Saquon Barkley the former second overall pick the Giants would save nothing by cutting him and they would incur 7,217,000 in dead cap by keeping uh, by cutting him excuse me so that's not really a fair cut and dry situation but we'll talk about post June 1st and trades and then the next guy is Daniel Jones the Giants would save 200k by cutting him only to incur 8,165,836 so, total savings with all those four players combined is 5480000 And then you take a look at the dead cap with all of those players combined. It's $34,822,000. Uh, $34, I can't count today. 836 as dead cap. But if you minus those two players out, Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones, because their futures are up in the air. Meanwhile, in my opinion, it's more cut and dry for Logan Ryan and Sterling Shepard to be cut or traded. If you minus those two players in Barkley and Jones, you'll get 500, excuse me, not 500. I'm thinking of other things right now. Got to focus on this thing. 5,280,000 in total savings. And then if you minus those two players in dead cap, it takes away about 15 million 19,440,000 in total. Now, let's talk about post-June 1st and trades. So, did I go over... Okay, I just wanted to make sure I didn't miss anything. But needs will be next. Needs will be next on the list. I know we're going through this pretty quickly, maybe slowly to some, whatever. So, post-June 1st and trades, we'll go over which is the best situation for that player and for the organization if they get cut post-June 1st will be more money, will be less money, or trading them just overall. So if the Giants traded Logan Ryan, they would incur $2,975,000, uh, $2,975,000, I can't talk today, I don't know why, in dead cap. Meanwhile, saving $9,250,000 in cap. I don't think that's realistic because I don't think the Giants are trading Logan Ryan. I don't think anyone across the league, unless you're the Texans or the Jaguars, is really looking at the trade market and saying, okay, we got to trade for Logan Ryan. No, this is not five years ago. This isn't even four years ago or two years ago. Logan Ryan is not a very attractive trade market candidate if, if he was put on the trade market. So with that being said, I don't think a trade is even in play. Post-June 1st, the Giants would incur $11,475,000 in dead cap. No dead cap for 2023, and they would save $750,000 in cap. And with that being said, it's a lose-lose situation because they restructured him. Let me take a look at what his situation was. So, you're honestly... 
according to these numbers, and obviously spot track and over the cap have two different sets of numbers, you're adding 25,000 after June 1st to the dead cap. Doesn't make any sense. So lose-lose situation overall. So the next one is Sterling Shepard. If you trade him, your dead cap hit is seven million nine hundred ninety thousand, and your savings are four million five hundred five thousand. That's a cut and dry situation. If anyone wants to trade for Sterling Shepard, I don't think anyone will. To be honest with you, but if you cut him post June first, I think this is also a very cut and dry situation. It's a good situation, honestly. The better of some of these other situations we've been talking about with the cap. If you cut him post June first, you incur three million nine hundred ninety-five thousand for the next two years each, and then you save eight million, actually eight point five million for twenty twenty-two. So you could say, well, you know, that eight million would go towards nothing. Well, what are the Giants doing in two thousand twenty-two with a new head coach and a rebuild? They're not doing anything, so you might as well cut him post June first. With that being said. Two more candidates, and then we'll talk about needs, we'll talk about awards, put you guys out of here. Running back Saquon Barkley. If you trade him, you have no dead cap whatsoever, but you save $7,217,000. I would go for that. I would go for that. Trade him for a fifth, sixth, seventh round pick, whatever you trade him for, to Seattle, to this team, to that team. Trade him, and you instantly get the savings. You could sign another running back, draft a running back, do whatever you please, get somebody younger. That way, you don't have to worry about paying them for the next couple of years. You don't have to worry about Saquon being unhappy, not getting paid or whatever the situation is. Trade him to a team. But it would actually look worse, as we could have all predicted, if you cut him post June 1st because you saved nothing. You have nothing in dead cap the next year. And for 2022, you incur what you would save in a trade, $7,217,000. So for Daniel Jones, trading him, you would honestly even out the situation because the dead cap hit would be $4,171,192 compared to the cap savings, $4,194,644. So you're evening out the situation there, which is a best-case scenario if a team like Pittsburgh doesn't want to really take a chance on a rookie quarterback, whatever the case may be, Sam Darnold-like trade, whatever you get, you get for him, and then you pretty much even out that situation, don't have to worry about paying him in the next two years. And then post-June 1st, not really a good situation. You would have to incur $8,180,836 in dead cap, Nothing in dead cap for 2023, and then cap savings 185 grand. So, realistically, even if you saved as much as you incurred in dead cap post June 1st, it wouldn't make any sense because why would you cut Daniel Jones after June 1st? Wouldn't you do it beforehand in free agency? Something like that. So, there's that. There's that situation. I enjoyed that, honestly, because I thought that was an interesting segment. Me personally, I don't know about you guys. Please comment. Not the end of the show yet. Let's talk about needs. i got to take a sip of water so I don't mumble and jumble like I did during that whole segment. But with that being said, top needs. I feel like these are needs that need to be assessed this year. I have two tiers. I have top needs and I have second tier. Obviously, you guys can make them interchangeable, whatever the case may be. Right tackle, right guard, left guard, quarterback two, tight end center, and edge one. Edge one has to be taken care of, but it also, because you're in a rebuild, you can take care of it down the line. If you're like the Bills, if you're like the 49ers, if you're like the Ravens, the Ravens is a little bit different of a situation because they really, in my opinion, don't do the whole edge one thing. They rotate guys. Jalen Ferguson, Odafe Away. Maybe Odafe Away is one of the top pass rushers in a couple of seasons, but ever since Matt Judon has left, it just seems like it's rotating. Tyus Bowser, all these other guys. But if you take a look at San Francisco, Nick Bosa is obviously the star there. Take a look at Buffalo, Gregory Rousseau, Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, a couple other guys there. With that being said, Edge 1 probably would be a priority for those two teams, 
Also best player available if you get Aiden Hutchinson, and he's still there at 5, or Kayvon Thibodeau. Maybe George Karloftis at 7 would depend on who's drafting, who's making the decisions. Offensive line, just overall, the other four positions, you have to build on that. And what some of these candidates, and I'm basing it really off of who's interviewing for the GM job, Adam Peters and Joe Shane, all these other guys, they don't just go out in the first round and select offensive linemen. Some go out in free agency, but also some draft. The 49ers, they drafted Aaron Banks, who likely probably replaces Lakin Tomlinson this offseason because Lakin Tomlinson's a free agent. Maybe the Giants go get him. Maybe, maybe not. So that's a need for the Giants, but I'm just explaining the 49ers situation. So they drafted Cody Ford, meaning the Buffalo Bills, in the second round of the 2019 draft. He looks to be their right tackle, but they're also interchanging that stuff a bit because Spencer Brown, they drafted him in the third round, I believe, out of Northern Iowa. They also signed Daryl Williams. They drafted Deion Dawkins a couple of years ago. So it's not just the first round that matters. It's the later rounds, but also it's not, okay, we're going to solve this situation in one year because we need to win now. No, the GM's going to have a huge timetable of two to three to possibly even four years to fix this entire team. And then, boom, they would have to win in a couple of years. And then likely in that situation, they would roll the money over and spend in free agency. But it's not going to be an all-fix-it-in-one-year thing. It's not going to be that. That's a, th a thing that really Giants fans will have to adjust to. It's not going to be a one-year thing where, oh, the center position's fixed. You may have a stopgap, honestly. You may have a fifth-round center just trying to come in there and snap the ball. We'll see what happens. Quarterback two, that has to, has to, has to happen this offseason. I don't care if you have a rookie quarterback, Daniel Jones, Joe Schmo at quarterback. If he gets injured, you cannot, as an organization, have another Jake Fromm, Mike Glennon situation. That is the worst football I think I've ever watched in my fucking life. I'm being dead serious, by the way. Being dead serious. Worst football I've ever watched in my life. I had fun watching AAF games and XFL games more than I did watching those last couple games with Mike Glennon and Jake Fromm. Please, do not let that happen again. Use the cap money that you save from cutting Nick Gage, James Bradbury, whoever the hell you want to cut. And go out and get a, an established backup quarterback. Jameis Winston, Teddy Bridgewater, make a list. Whatever. Make sure they're capable, though. Second tier, linebacker. It would really depend if you kept Martinez or if you cut Martinez and use Jalen Smith and Bernardrick McKinney or take Crowder for a year. So that's interchangeable. You could draft a linebacker this year and make him a developmental project. Defensive tackle. You could use Austin Johnson for another year. You could maybe sign an undrafted free agent or a low-risk, high-reward free agent overall, maybe a veteran. That's honestly something you're not going to fix right away, in my opinion. We'll see what happens, though. Safety, you're going to eventually, down the line, have to draft a safety, get a safety somehow, because Logan Ryan, he's old in terms of NFL years, and he's washed. And with that being said, Julian Love... As I mentioned before, he's really a role player. We don't know if Jabal Peppers is coming back. Probably not. So you need to draft the safety down the line. And like the Miami Dolphins did with Javon Holland, it's not always a first-round thing. McKinney was drafted in the second round. Julian Love, he's a decent guy, also drafted in the fourth round. There's a lot of safeties that come in these later rounds and undrafted free agents. That's why I harp on the preseason a lot because that is – where these guys, these undrafted seventh-round picks, whatever, where that is the situation where they get to really show their talents. If they have talent, if they don't have talent, whatever. Punter. They could probably roll with Dixon another year, but I just don't want to watch it. They'll probably look at last year's tape, whoever the special teams coordinator is, and probably will say to the GM or the head coach, okay, this guy sucks. We need to get somebody else in here. So, that may be a long-term project, but at the same time, you don't have to do much to fix it. You could sign a punter. You could draft a punter. You could sign an undrafted free agent, whatever the case may be, running back. If you keep Saquon Barkley, if you trade Saquon Barkley, if you cut Saquon Barkley, you're going to have to worry about running back. Devontae Booker, he's on the books for another year. Obviously, no pun intended. You could also actually cut him, saving $2 million, but I don't know what that $2 million 
will count towards because the Giants are likely not going to be big spenders in free agency, even if they make all those cuts. And he did solid for the Giants this year. I really thought he did solid for the Giants this past year. So they could keep him, throw out Gary Brightwell, do whatever with Gary Brightwell, draft a running back in the later rounds. I know Zach Moss was a product of that. Devin Singletary, there's a lot of other guys as well. Buffalo, San Francisco's a big organization that is known for late-round running backs. They took a chance on Raheem Mostert a couple of years ago. Elijah Mitchell, Matt Breida, Jermichael Hasty. You can name so many organizations that have awesome late-round running backs. Honestly, I tend to believe that a lot of the late-round, mid-round running backs work out better than the first-round running backs. Because Najee Harris, he had 1,000 yards this season. God bless him behind that Steelers offensive line. And Saquon Barkley, two prime examples that may or may not work out. Saquon Barkley looks like it's not going to work out with the Giants. But with that being said, you could actually still work on that down the road. Keep Brightwell, whatever. you got to have some stability at that position. So those are needs. Let's get into the final subject. Let's go into the awards. So as you see to the right of your screen, if you're on YouTube, of course, if you're on Spotify, Podbean, or any of the podcast platforms, I do have a list, so I will read it. There's Offensive Player of the Year. There's Defensive Player of the Year. Rookie of the Year. Team MVP. Most underrated. Most improved. Most disappointing. Best position. Worst position. Top five best players and top five worst players. So let's go to Offensive Player of the Year. I think we know who it's going to be. Andrew Thomas, he played great this year. Not Pro Bowl level totally, but he was a sports car in a shitty garage. We all know that meme, guys. 13 games started. He did have an injury period where it was a foot injury, whatever the injury was. He was solid on that offensive line from game one to week 18 he was solid overall we knew pretty much halfway into the season okay he's the franchise left tackle if he keeps playing this way and we don't need to worry about watching the film on him and seeing what he needs to do better we may need to worry about that down the line but with that being said he's doing most of the things good because nothing's coming from that left side unless you're talking about the interior with Matt Scura, Ben Bredesen whoever the case whoever the person is on the left side next to Andrew Thomas so his stats, it is like the spot track and the over-the-cap stuff because one outlet says he allowed this many pressures, one outlet said he allowed that many pressures, whatever the case may be. So he allowed one sack, another outlet says two sacks, one outlet says he allowed 17 pressures, one outlet said he had 19 pressures allowed, one outlet said he allowed quarterback hits, uh, four quarterback hits overall. But with that being said, Offensive Player of the Year, obviously. Defensive Player of the Year. One of the guys in consideration for this award, honestly, is going to be in another award. And it was really tough. It was really tough. It was between two players for me. I'm going to go with Xavier McKinney. One tackle for a loss, 10 pass deflections, 5 interceptions. He allowed 38 completions on 56 targets. Completion percentage is 67.9, 443 yards. Gave three touchdowns. But... With that being said, the yards per target are low and a very low passer rating, at least for a safety. So I thought he did really well this year, especially down the stretch. Was supposed to be a pro bowler in some minds, but with that being said, the Giants overall, if you're not a good team, you're not going to get those players recognized. Where if it's a popular team and your safety suck or a player sucks and they're just a popular name, they're going to get voted in just like Jamal Adams in some years. But I really thought Xavier McKinney pulled through on this defense this year. And not a lot of players on the defense played like he did. Austin Johnson was a role player. He played good. Didn't play great. James Bradbury played decent at times. Also messed up at times. Rookie of the year. I think you guys know where I'm going with this one. A second place winner would probably be Aaron Robinson. But Aziz Ojolari takes it for me. Eight tackles for a loss. 49 tackles overall, 13 quarterback hits, a forced fumble, 8 sacks. And you can't go wrong with that. 27 pressures as well. You can't go wrong with that. He was really the number one edge rusher on this unit with 
Lorenzo Carter not producing. O'Shane Zimenez getting benched. Quincy Roche was a nice add-in as well, getting more snaps down the stretch. But Aziz Ojolari, Rookie of the Year, second place, I would give the award to Aaron Robinson. So Team MVP, I'm personally going to take Andrew Thomas. Here's why I'll take Andrew Thomas. I was battling between him and Xavier McKinney because Xavier McKinney, the first part of the year, he wasn't too consistent with his play. Then he started getting interceptions against the Rams, a couple other teams. And, you know, with that being said, Andrew Thomas really was consistent the whole season. Maybe he had one bad game, a couple of bad snaps, but he was really consistent the whole season where we didn't have to worry about the left tackle position moving forward. We just said, hey, this guy's our franchise left tackle. The most underrated, also a very, very hard deliberation for me earlier, I would take Odori Jackson. The defense underachieved, played good at times, played bad at times. Odori Jackson was really one of the few rocks on that defense besides Xavier McKinney. One interception on the season. He had a couple of games missed due to injury. He allowed 38 completions on 73 targets, allowed a 52.1 completion percentage, allowed two touchdowns, a 69 passer rating. That deserves a nice 353 yards and 62 tackles. And I was not so much of a fan of the signing because of what Tennessee fans were saying and all this other stuff, but it seems like the first year of Adoree Jackson really was a success besides the injuries. So shout out to Adoree Jackson. The late free agent signing by the New York Giants, another sleepover situation. But most underrated, Adoree Jackson wins that one. Most improved, I would say Andrew Thomas again. I know that's his third award. But when you're one of the only solid players on offense, I have to give it to Andrew Thomas. And I can't cheap you out of another award. Most disappointing, it has to go to Will Hernandez. He was so bad this year. He was so bad. And... If he was an average guard or slightly below average, I would say, okay, well, you know, he was like the years prior after his rookie year, but he was just terrible. He got worse and worse progressively in his career. I don't know how that happened. That's on him because he's been through several offensive line coaches. That's not easy. With that being said, seven sacks, 36 pressures, 17 games started, and I'm just going to put a little star next to the seven sacks and 36 pressures because that was only recorded after the Bears game. There was one more game to go. Hernandez did leave the game. I don't remember when it was, actually. But with that being said, he could have allowed more pressures against the Washington football team. He probably did because Fromm got sacked, I believe, three times, I want to say. With that being said, Will Hernandez was the most disappointing player and probably one of the worst players on this football team. And one of the worst performances in a year total that I've ever seen by an offensive lineman. Sorry, not sorry. Facts over feelings. Best position. I'm going to take the cornerback room. Me personally, because you had Jaron Williams. Really the defensive back room, but Logan Ryan is the outcast. Because, yeah, he had a good start of the season. Really didn't end the season on a good note. Made that joke about Tua Tagovailoa. That has nothing to do with it, of course. But I'm just saying, towards the end of the season, really didn't have a good stretch of games so I guess I would take cornerbacks because James Bradbury yeah he struggled but he was decent Dory Jackson was really good at corner really was the corner one on this team and then you bring in Jaron Williams and Aaron Robinson two guys who because of their situations are not expected to perform at a decent level Jaron Williams undrafted free agent from Albany and then Aaron Robinson's first six seven games on the PUP list listen Jerome Henderson Knock wood, he deserves to stay under the next coaching staff. Him and Rob Sale, but Rob Sale obviously got that job at Florida as the offensive coordinator. Shout-outs to him, shout-outs to Shane Spencer. Shane Spencer, that's a former Yankees left fielder. Sean Spencer, he got the co-defensive coordinator job at Florida, so Rob Sale probably put a good word for him to Billy Napier. Worst player of the year. Yes, we are doing this. Or best player of the year. Which one should I go first? I think I'm going to go with best players. Let's get the positivity out of the way first. Xavier McKinney, Andrew Thomas, Aziz Ojolari, Adoree Jackson. And I put best player of the year here, but I'm going to go top five best players. McKinney, Thomas, Ojolari, Adoree Jackson. 
I'm going to have to stick to Devontae Booker as number five. He really didn't have too many negative plays. He wasn't great, but he was solid. And he's not Saquon Barkley in his type. He just runs up the middle. He'll run to the outside. But I thought he was solid this year when Saquon Barkley was out, a couple other things as well. But uh, I thought he did solid as mainly the Giants' number one running back this year, in my opinion. Top five worst players. We know this list. Mike Glennon, Jake Fromm, Danny Shelton, Nate Solder, Will Hernandez. I would probably put Hernandez over Solder because Solder had some good snaps and had maybe one or two games that he was actually good. Will Hernandez, no. No. So flip Hernandez and Solder. Hernandez is at four. And Nate Solder is at five. Danny Shelton never had a good game. Jake Fromm was terrible. And obviously... Giants fans, including myself, to be honest, should have expected that. And Mike Glennon was just terrible. We didn't know how terrible he was going to be. And he was that terrible. Like, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pop review drops. Appreciate you all coming back. Give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Uh, don't have too many ratings on there. Only one five-star rating. Appreciate whoever did that. Boys and Big Apple, 8, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time tonight. NFL, NBA, a lot of other topics as well. Twin Bill, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the NYY News TV channel every Wednesday. And then this podcast, until something happens, and I'll update you guys via Twitter, obviously, is Tuesday, Saturday, 12.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. More videos will be coming out, of course, during the offseason. Peace out, guys. See you later, and stay cool.